Hi everyone and welcome to Self Love with Rihanna Marie. This is a podcast that I've been wanting to do for so long. Um, I'm so excited that I'm getting to finally start it. Really, it's sharing truths and insights about the journey of self-love and spirituality and it's really just for everyone who wants a dose of self-care in their life. Um, I like to keep it real and I like to get vulnerable and I like to talk about the stuff people don't usually talk about. I like to talk about abuse and trauma and drug addiction and codependency and how the hell do we get out of that. So I just want you to know that for everyone who's going to tune into this podcast, we keep it real here. And it's going to be a beautiful journey of getting vulnerable with each other. And I will get vulnerable with you. And I will tell you the truths of my story and everything that I share and everything that I quote unquote teach about is truly all stuff that I have been through and that I found ways to work through and get to the other end of. Um, A little bit about me. I am an 18 year old girl. I live in California. I am a self-love coach. I'm an actress. I did YouTube for a while. Uh, I truly have come into the space of loving, sharing my story and helping others with that same story. It's been a beautiful process coaching young women into their empowerment and finding themselves again. And I find that so many of the things we talk about and so many of the girls in my coaching there's this essence of similarity in all of us and at the bottom of it we all just really want to be loved and we all just really want to be enough i think it's all about the journey of finding how you are absolutely 100 percent completely enough in yourself so Thank you for joining me and for coming to this and pressing play wherever you are. I hope that you can add my podcast into your self-care routine somehow, uh, maybe in your bubble bath or your commute in the morning. And with that being said, I felt that for my first podcast ever... It would be a good idea to tell you about my story so that you can get to know me. I plan on doing lots of different things on this podcast, like interviews, having other people talk with me, uh, a lot of topics, Q&As, I want to record meditations, a ton of stuff. So I definitely wanted to make sure that you guys could get to know me right at the beginning before we dive super deep, but I guess this is going to be deep too. Um, Anyways... I'd like to essentially share my story of codependency and drug addiction and why I had to come into a life of recovery and self-love and how I did that. So let's get started. I grew up in Los Angeles, California. I had um, my mom and my dad who were battling their own demons so to speak my dad's a drug addict and my mom is codependent 
and there was a lot of enabling, a lot of questions, a a lot of uh, uncertainty. I never really understood what was going on, but I knew something was going on. My dad would fall off the face of the earth for, you know, uh, chunks of time. I saw him plastered drunk and high a number of times i remember i was like four years old and i saw a bong on the side yard i obviously didn't know what it was but it was like this weird glass contraption with like a bowl thing that came out of it It smelled kind of funky uh and you know he would wear sunglasses inside and there was always eye drops and so really i kind of always had drugs in my life and I always had uh, an example of codependency and it was quite messy and we struggled with money we moved around a lot Uh, there wasn't much pleasure so to speak there was always worry and it was always kind of this like energy of trying to make ends meet and uh, a lot of secrets (laughs) and I learned a couple things growing up that way I learned a lot about love. Uh, They weren't good lessons, nor were they truthful lessons. But I learned that unconditional love meant loving people no matter how terribly they treat you. So when my mom would enable my dad and keep him in her life, regardless of uh, how he was stealing money or how he was harming her, I learned that that's love. It took me a long time to realize that's not true. But my first ever example of love was abuse. Uh, I learned that I'm not enough. You know, when you're an eight-year-old girl and you're looking up at your dad with puppy dog eyes and you're you're begging him to quit using drugs and, and you have this, this childlike innocence, this deep belief, like, of course he's going to quit for me. I'm his daughter. Why wouldn't he? And so when time and time again, I had that same conversation over and over because nothing was changing, I realized I'm not enough. The drugs are more important. If I'm not enough for my dad, if I'm not enough for, you know, the person who's supposed to take care of me, then how am I ever going to be enough? I learned that I'm not taken care of. I learned to keep secrets. But I learned to keep secrets about the stuff that you actually should be talking about. So I learned that uh, you don't talk about what's going on at home. And you don't talk about dad's drug addiction. And you don't talk about how mom is depressed in bed and can't buy us food. And you don't tell anyone about that. And And it wasn't coming from a space of being humble or having empowerment because it's your own story was coming from this space of like don't ever tell anyone what's really going on you need to deal with it on your own or not deal with it at all there was a lot of stuffing I learned early on to stuff (laughs) and to bottle things up right so that's kind of a little look-see at how I grew up and I'm a big believer that your childhood directly affects your views as you grow up and your beliefs and your patterns and uh, I really found that that was a truth for me so I grow up a little and you know about middle school age and I'm codependent as hell (laughs) and I feel neglected at home there's there's no food my there there's not even 
toothbrush, toothpaste, shampoo, conditioner. There's, there's none of the necessities and I don't want to be at home and I don't feel enough. So I become this people pleaser and I become quite codependent and I get very addicted to friends and friend groups and I grew up in Orange County at this time in my life and there's a lot of white picket fence homes and soccer moms and there's uh, always dinner at the table as a family. I mean, that was beyond me. I could not comprehend that. That was like, what? You guys all eat dinner together? I mean, you eat dinner? Like, it was like, it, it was mind-blowing. And so I happened to often overstay my welcome. And I would go to my friends' houses and I, I would get a shower in and I would eat dinner with them and I would ignore the fact that I knew I was overstaying my welcome, but I would stay because I didn't want to be home. And there was one summer where I was literally home two nights the entire summer. And also, I never wanted anyone over. We had a very dark, dingy apartment, and I didn't want anyone to come there. So I was hell-bent on having people like me because I thought that other people could dictate my worth. So I never felt enough because I was taught that I wasn't enough, even if that was indirectly. And so I needed everyone else to tell me I was enough. And I, I got very addicted to having like brother type friendships with guys because they would protect me and they'd tell me what to do. And I really wanted to know right from wrong because no one did that, right? I wasn't very... I, I wasn't parented much. I was quite trusted. I was like an honors kid. And... Uh, no one worried about me. They had other shit to worry about. So I, I really wanted to be protected and taken care of. And, you know, I think it starts sometimes in those kind of innocent codependencies where, like, you're, you're codependent on your friends in middle school and, like, you're terrified of um, not being at every social event. It's, like, past FOMO. It's... It's like if I'm not at every single social event or in every single social group and I don't show up even when I'm sick, even when I need to stay home, then like they're all going to hate me and they're all going to talk shit on me behind my back and I won't be a part of anymore. I'm going to miss out. And so I'd go out even when I really needed to stay home. You know, I want to fast forward and I want to fast forward to kind of the bottom I didn't want this to be too long, but I wanted it to be potent and powerful and really, really vulnerable. Uh, and so I want to fast forward to, I don't know, what do I want to fast forward to? <laughs> you know, I think I, I think that was the, the times I was just telling you about were before I started using drugs, and that's a big part of my story. Uh, I have been sober for two and a half years now, which is the greatest gift in my life thus far, and it's such a big part of what I went through. And I have no fear about talking about it because I think it's important to talk about it. It goes hand in hand with my codependency and, and the abusive relationship I ended up being in. 
So that was the time before. And I think there's always some telltale signs, right? Like, like not feeling enough, needing something outside of myself to make me feel okay and to make me feel enough. And, and that was with friends at the beginning. Uh, but it didn't stay like that. And so eventually, um, you know, everyone started, not everyone, but I found this little core group of friends and (laughs) it was cool because they hated life too. And they did not have white picket fence homes and their families were effed up as well. And I was like, oh my God, I found my people. Hell yes. And they were smoking and drinking. And like, I had this big idea that I was never, ever, ever going to do that because I did not want to be like my dad. And I knew intuitively somewhere deep within that if I did start and I did touch uh, weed or alcohol or drugs, that I was probably going to be a lot like my dad. Maybe not at first, but I figured I, I most likely have the addictive gene. But when you're a people pleaser and you're codependent, you want to please. You don't even have to get peer pressured. You just see that they're all doing something that you're not doing and, and you get tired of, of of just being there without doing it as well and being a part of. So, of course, one day I was like, F it, I want to. And I smoked and soon I added drinking on top of it and then I found my pills and it all went downhill from there. <laughs> uh, and I went back and forth from friend group to friend group and argument to argument and I, oh, I went into this deep, deep depression and my dad was at the worst of his worst and I was getting bullied for having greasy hair, but what no one knew was that my mom didn't have enough money to afford buying me shampoo and conditioner, and I was not going to tell anyone about what was really going on at home, because remember, you're not allowed to do that. It's shush shush over here, and I became like a Hannah Montana, and I started a YouTube channel named Pink and Sparkles 101, and I wore pink, and I talked about makeup and hair, and I had this high-pitched voice, and I was happy-go-lucky, and I was so innocent, and I was living this double life, and behind the scenes of that, I was deeply depressed, um, dealing with anxiety. I was taking drugs. I was absolutely losing my dad and had no clue what to do with that or how to handle that and I (laughs) put up this entire facade I think the truth of this is and I think this is the truth of when people put up masks is that 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 little girl who was innocent and and untouched and happy was who I truly wished I was And I was scared that I was going down this other path and I wanted something to hold on to. And I did hold on to it. And I think it actually saved me, but it was absolutely inauthentic. And I think that's one of the reasons why today in in my in my coaching and on my stories and on this podcast, I it's so important to me to just be me and to share my mess. Because I love myself for my mess and my mess is worth sharing and it's worth being vulnerable because that's how people can connect to you, right? (laughs) Um, So fast forward to 16 years old. Finally, I have found the teenage replica of my dad 
and I end up in a physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally abusive relationship. If you're interested, it's called narcissistic abuse. I probably will do a podcast on that. It's a type of abuse that really, really needs to be talked about more. Like, badly needs to be talked about more. And so I will do that. But it's no surprise that I ended up there at all. It it, it was coming. And one thing that abusive relationship did for me was it showed me all of the trauma from my dad that I was not dealing with because it was right in front of my face just in a smaller younger version (laughs) and it was painful so painful and I had gotten sober for a couple months and and of course I had this big relapse from the relationship and I and I and I absolutely had my my bottom it was it got the worst it could have gotten I was 16 it was probably what um sophomore year I don't know fuck high school um (laughs) and I am taking pills and I am taking Adderall a lot low-key and I by the way if you don't know me I'm five feet tall I'm 94 pounds I'm quite tiny I do not need Adderall Adderall is an upper and it makes you um lose your appetite so I wouldn't eat for for weeks at a time and I <laughs> didn't sleep, and I was getting unhealthily skinny, and I was wearing really, really big jackets to cover that up, and, and in this abusive relationship, he would force me to eat, and I thought that was love. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, he cares about me. Um, no, <laughs> no, he does not care about you, but I did think so, and I, and I kind of liked it, and, uh, it went through a lot of different phases, and I'm sure I'll be able to really talk about that in depth once. I didn't want to get too deep into it, but it's the reason I had to go into self-love for sure. I, I, no matter what, it's the reason I had to do that because I completely lost myself, and, and every girl in my coaching has an abusive relationship under the, their belt and like one of their parents is alcoholic and it's just the story is so similar across the board we always feel like we're so alone and we're, we're not alone i so many of the of us have these patterns or or know someone that has these patterns and it's beautiful to be able to talk about it so that we can help others know that they are not alone and say me too and um yeah, I, I I ended up feeling crazy. I had bruises up and down my legs. I had a huge bruise the size of my arm at one point. Uh, I was sick. Like, like, I was sick. And all I became was this little, like, human, barely, that just wanted the attention from this dumb guy that didn't deserve an ounce of me. But that was all I could think about. And I would, if, if he wasn't texting me, I'd freak out. And if we were in an argument, I would just need to make it right. And I, I was tiptoeing and I never knew what side of him I was going to get. Was it going to be the abusive side or was it going to be the side that was going to protect me and love me? What was I going to get? I was always confused. What are we? What do you feel about me? Do you actually have feelings for me? Do you not want to be with me? What is this? But you're telling me you love me. What do you mean you don't want to be with me? Oh, 
oh, you're telling me you love me because you want to fuck me? Got it. I'm done with that. Maybe if maybe if we have sex, I'll be able to show you that I've always been the one. Boom. Sorry if that was TMI, but that's really what happened, especially at the end. And I completely lost everything that made me me. And there was high highs and low lows. And I want to make it really clear that codependency is an absolute form of addiction. Just like shopping or drug addiction or alcohol addiction, it's a person addiction. And so I gave everything to get a taste of this person. And I was well aware that it was toxic. No, not at the beginning, but I soon became aware that it was toxic and abusive. And uh, I didn't mind that. I, I didn't know what to do. I was too weak. You know, a drug addict, let's say a heroin addict, keeps using the drugs all while knowing the consequences like jail or their health or losing their family or uh, rehab or death, right? And it doesn't matter because they need that high because they feel that it's the only thing that makes them somewhat complete or somewhat okay. So it doesn't matter that there's consequences. And that's really how I felt. I knew that he was taking everything from me. I knew that he didn't really love me, even though I wanted to be in denial and tell myself that he did. And I wanted that high no matter what it took to get it. And one thing they do and one thing that happened to me a lot was like, at the very beginning, he threw love bombs at me and showered me in praise and love and care and all of the things. And they slowly start to take that away and then they get kind of abusive and, and then they say mean things to you and uh, maybe if it was physically abusive, they hit you and they start to do those things and then you go into this deep, deep, deep low and you're scared and you don't know why he's changed. You're asking yourself, wait, where is that person at the beginning? So you decide that you're going to do everything in your power to change him back. And you believe that he or she, by the way, I'm saying he just because this is my story. But you can place yourself if you're um, trying to relate right now. You can, you know, place yourself wherever you are. But that... I can bring that person back. And so what they do is they give you little tastes of the beginning and they give you little drops of the love and the showering of affection and you go, oh my God, he's back. And you take that and then all of a sudden it becomes this cycle of high highs and low lows and when you're on a low, you're just waiting for the high to come back and then all of a sudden it becomes this thing where like, you'll take anything. Like, okay, like abuse is love. <laughs> I'm going to decide that like when you abuse me and when you treat me like shit, that means you love me. Uh, I really like when, when when you're nice to me, but I'll take anything, right? And and it just becomes this hell-bent thing where, or not hell-bent, it just becomes this thing where you're hell-bent on self-destruction that's a quote from one of my favorite bands um but it does and so I lost I lost my self-worth I lost my dignity I lost my power I didn't have any of that I threw away my acting career at this time in my life uh I was I was extremely unhealthy I my light was gone I let someone take my light away that's rough you know, I've said it before, I lost every part of me that made me, me. 
that's a scary place to be. And so at the very end of this, I, I lost my will to live. And um, I didn't really want to be a part of life any longer. And I'd wake up every morning. And this is this is true. This sounds like an exaggeration. But I'd wake up every morning and scream. And I ended up having chronic panic attacks. I was having at least three panic attacks a day. I did not, it was summertime, and I did not understand why people got up in the morning and did shit. I was like, why are you going to the beach? How does that move your life forward? You know, I I lost that adoration for the little things in life, and I was just becoming nothingness except for absolute sadness and and loss of myself and that really really terrified me because I'm sure you can probably imagine I do have this adoration for life and I love the little things and I have dreams and oh I feel like I want to cry I today I get to know how absolutely worthy I am and how worth it this life is to live and so to see 16 year old me in that space was painful and even I knew it was painful while I was in it so eventually um everything went to shit (laughs) if it wasn't already uh and I I was just a piece of trash to him and and he was sexually abusing me and I was letting it happen and I and he was discarding me and I couldn't stop using drugs and so I reached out a hand for help and you know that part is so hard this is the part where I talk to you guys about my rise up told you what it was like growing up I told you kind of how my codependency and drug addiction unfolded I told you how my bottom went and obviously, in a 40-minute podcast, I can't give you all the details of 18 years of life. But I want to tell you how I rose up from this and how I grew. And the first thing I want to say about it, and I want you to hold this really dear to your heart. Sometimes your worst defeat, your absolute bottom, your worst point in your life is actually the catalyst to the highest point in your life. Sometimes it's the very thing that brings the miracle. So me being so deeply desperate and broken, I was able to need help and accept accept that I need help and surrender to that And oh my God, did I rise up and did I become new and transform and create a life that I absolutely love with every fiber of my being. And now that story that I just told you a snippet of has become just a part that I'm actually grateful for. And I have no no regrets over it because it taught me so much and I get to use what I learned in that to help others and it gave me depth and experience so I asked for help and I went to a little outpatient drug program and got off the drugs my my sobriety date is September 1st 2016 uh no that was not easy obviously that took me some time 
and uh, it's not fun at the beginning because you are so used to numbing yourself from everything you're feeling. So when you take away the thing that helps you numb, uh, you kind of feel everything. So the panic attacks did not go away. Um, not at the beginning, obviously it gets better, but you know, and in the first three months, I could not let go of that lovely abusive relationship because it was my last high. I was getting high off of it. You know, I gave away the drugs. I'm not going to give away this, goddammit. And so it was hard. It was super hard. And it, and finally it happened. And I like to think, you know, I believe in the universe. I believe in God. And I want to make it really clear throughout this entire podcast that you do not have to. And also, if you want to believe in something, it can be anything you want it to be. If it's bigger than you. It can be sun. It can be uh, the ocean. It can be fairies it can be you know whatever you want to comprehend your higher power as that's up to you and you get to play with that and there's a lot of freedom in that um or you don't have to and that's okay too but i believe that that was god doing for me what i can't do for myself um because i could not let him go but he actually discarded me and stopped talking to me and I hated that, and I was not grateful for that, um, but I soon ended up being grateful for that, and that was a huge, huge, huge gift, and I just went on this rigorous journey of self-love, and in my first year of being sober, I did not get into any relationships, uh, I did not have sex, <laughs> I hope this shit isn't TMI, but whatever, uh, I learned how to absolutely love myself just so deeply and I went on a spiritual journey and I started meditating and I started praying and I I grabbed journals and I journaled everything and I have eight journals now two and a half years later and they are the little storybooks of my life and I did everything I could and I started to appreciate life again down to the sound the coffee maker made in the morning was just amazing to me it was like the little things were so big and I started to realize my self-worth and I started to take back the pieces of me that I let go and I also created that created new out of them. And I dove deep into my trauma with my dad and my mom and all all of the boys that I let use me and abuse me and take advantage of me. And of course that last one, that big overarching one. And I'm actually really grateful for that because uh no, I did not deserve that. And no, that was not my fault. But he did show me what I needed to really heal from and he showed me how bad the trauma from my dad really was that I, and I didn't want to look at it but during this time period I was able to look at it and I was able to remember things that I had blocked off for a very long time as we often do with trauma and they the memory started to come back and I got to really let it go I got to change my belief patterns and all of a sudden I went from abuses love to I will never allow anyone to abuse me again I'm empowered I'm respectable I have dignity I'm worth it I'm enough 
and the pieces started to come back together and I booked my first acting job and I was playing a a teenage drug addict (laughs) with an alcoholic dad and a codependent mother and if that's not God I don't know what is uh it, it just blew my mind that I was reading my story and that I was playing that role and I soon got to film my first movie where I was a lead role and life came back together and the pieces fell back into place and I created a puzzle of everything that made me happy and everything that made me me and it's been such a gift and you know today my life looks like kind of what we're doing right now uh sharing my story uh creative endeavors with the coaching business that I opened up I opened that up Dude, I don't even know when I did, but it was definitely after a year. And um, I pulled towards me a beautiful relationship with someone who loves me for everything that I am, all of my mess, and someone that I love for everything that he is. And that is such a miracle, but really it's a testament to the work you do when you dive deep into a self-love journey and realize who you are and change your insides and it's kind of what you attract and I got that gift of really attracting something that I've always deserved because if I didn't do that work I would just pull a few more teenage replicas of my dad right and I wouldn't get through that sometimes I feel really really lucky to have done this work at 16 and I've started healing then and, and gotten those miracles. And I think it's why I opened up the business because I really, really, really want other girls and other men and other people to have this healing and to stop ugh, living in these patterns forever. We can cut them out now. <laughs> we can. We don't have to live in them. And that's so beautiful, and I hope that I can share that. And I I just live a beautiful life today where I get to create, and I get to play, and I get to do my passions, and I have a boyfriend that loves me so big for me, and I have friends that, that respect me and honor me because I respect and honor myself. And I, you know, it's been two and a half years since I've even seen that guy, and since... I have touched a drug or or a drink or anything, and it's been a beautiful two and a half years. I think that's my story in a nutshell. I think we did it. I don't know if there's anything else I want to share. I didn't want this to be, like, too long, um, but I'm probably going to have 40-minute podcasts because I do like to talk, so (laughs) we shall see. Uh, But I hope that... At least I hope that was entertaining to some degree, but I really hope that that helped you in some way. I hope that maybe you learned something. That'd be really cool. I hope that you feel less alone. And that's really what I want to create in this podcast. I'm just so excited uh, to create more episodes and more topics and more things and just grow on this because... I just want to share everything and I love you with all my heart to the people who 
really pushed me to do this because there was there was a lot of you and it took me a while to listen uh you know, it started on those Instagram lives and people kept telling me, you got to make a podcast because these go away in 24 hours and I want to listen to you in my bubble bath, God damn it. And I was like, okay, fine, let's do this. <laughs> and I am so happy that I'm finally here. So I am sure this is going to grow and I'm going to find, you know, ways to create this and make graphics for it and, and platforms to post it on. And that's going to take some time because we're just at the beginning of this and I don't know how it's going to unfold. Uh, but always know that you can message me on Instagram. It's at Ping and Sparkles 101. Don't ask. I was 11. I don't have the heart to change it. Uh, but you can message me and give me uh, requests for things that you'd really like to hear me talk about, uh, or something under that umbrella, or let me know if you liked this, that'd make me really happy, so I want to give all of my love to every soul listening to this right now, thank you for letting me share my story, uh, I think it's apparent that it's a really vulnerable thing to do, but when you do it from a place of empowerment, because you've grown, and because you've learned from it, that vulnerability is is a gift that you deeply appreciate. And so I'm really happy that today, throughout, because of the recovery and the healing and the growth, I can share this. And I just love you guys a lot. And I'm excited to see how this keeps moving forward and unfolds. And I hope you enjoyed this. If I, wherever I post this, I'll probably have all my links down below. If you need a coaching session with me or you like to come to my upcoming webinar, you can find that on my Instagram as well or you can email me at riannamarie at gmail.com. And I think that's about it. So have a blessed day. Don't forget to do something for yourself that is self-caring or self-loving, even if it's just five minutes, even if it's just taking a really deep breath in and i will see you guys next time have a beautiful day or night wherever you are and i love you